great to uh, kind of enter the story from different perspectives as we saw in that video today. Let's uh, spend some time together in prayer. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we come to you. Here at least we uh, come on a, on a wintry morning. And Lord, we're reminded that you are the God of all the seasons of life. You are the God of the predictable and the unpredictable moments of life. And Lord, as we come to your word this morning, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, that you would open our hearts. Lord, that we would see you. There are many people that you call on to be a part of the story of what you are doing and want done in the world. And, uh, and yet, Lord, you are always the main actor, even when you are working from behind the scenes. And so, Lord, I pray that, uh, that we would be gripped anew with the wonder of who you are and the wonder of your love for us and for the whole world. Amen. Several years before his death, the famous uh, Hebrew scholar and rabbi, Abraham Heschel, suffered a near-fatal heart attack. Heschel was so weak, all he could do was whisper to his friend Sam, I feel only gratitude for my life. For every moment I have lived, I am ready to go. I have seen so many miracles during my lifetime. The old rabbi was exhausted by his effort to speak, and after a long pause, he said, Sam, never once in my life did I ask God for success or wisdom or power or fame. I asked for wonder, and he gave it to me. When I came across that story, I couldn't help but ask myself, have I ever asked God for wonder? I mean, how is it that some people can go through a, an art gallery of world-famous paintings and be bored to tears, while others are moved to tears in awe and wonder? I think it's because some have a sense of wonder and others don't. The psalmist said, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. But how often do we take notice of the wonders God puts before us. And about you, I was looking at the art gallery in the foyer, and uh, one of the pictures that I noticed up there, I think Ariel had taken it, it said, wise men bow. It's a larger picture than this, but I, I thought, it's a bunch of trees. And then I look closer at the trees in the lower, and all of them bowing, and it's like, wow, wonder. Craig and, uh, and Dave Butcher also, Craig Bowers and and Dave Butcher also have some, some close-ups. And when you see them, you realize, wow, there is wonder even in the close-ups of life. Elizabeth Barrett Browning said, Earth is crammed with heaven and every bush is aflame with the fire of God. But only those who see take off their shoes. The rest just pick the blackberries. I don't know about you, but too often I'm just a berry picker. So I've been asking God this Advent season to help me be a wonderer and to savor the wonder-filled moments in life that he brings. Which brings me to the story 
today's story in Luke chapter 1, where we learn of a wonderful moment in the life of a young teenager who least expected it. Let's read Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me, be to me, be fulfilled Then the angel left her. Luke's mention of the sixth month at the beginning of verse 26 immediately links Mary the teenager's story with the previous story of an elderly couple. You know, remakes of old movies these days are very popular, but God was already doing a remake long before this. So when Luke introduces us to Zechariah and Elizabeth and describes them as childless and uh, as the King James Version puts it, well stricken in years, uh, he was telling us that God was doing a remake of the old Abraham and Sarah story in Genesis. A new element here is that when Elizabeth suddenly became pregnant, verse 24 says that for the first five months she remained in seclusion. Maybe she was fearful of a miscarriage, I'm not sure. But by the sixth month, she had now gone public. Which is probably why it was in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy that God sent the angel to Gabriel to call on another unlikely prospect. This one was at the other end of the age spectrum. And we do well to remember that this was a world that valued age over youth. Male over female, religious leaders over ordinary people. As commentator Joel Green notes, Mary is not introduced in any way that would recommend her as particularly noteworthy or deserving of divine favor. And yet the angel greets her as, you who are highly favored. One commentator pointed out that highly favored or favored one functions here as a name for Mary. That's the label that he gives her, identifies her. I'd never quite thought of it in that way before, but I think it helps explain why the angel's greeting shocked and and stirred her so deeply and left her wondering what kind of greeting this might be. 
I'm sure she had been called many things in life, but the worst and even the best things were far less favorable than this. If culturally speaking, Paul, in his letter to Timothy, reminds Timothy, don't let people look down on you because you were young, and he's probably at least a 30-plus-year-old male, well, how much more so would that be the case for Mary? To be called highly favored one by the angel of God himself was a wonder-filled greeting indeed. Many people continue to wonder if God even sees them. They too would be utterly shocked to discover that he knows them and cares for them more deeply than anyone in the entire world. I was reminded of the story of the slave woman Hagar in Genesis 16. She had been so badly mistreated by Sarai that it says that she fled from her. And as a single mother, she felt like nobody. No one seemed to care whether she lived or died. But it said the angel of the Lord found Hagar. And the angel promises to bless her and make her son into a great nation. It was a wonder-filled moment she never forgot. And from that time on, she referred to the Lord as the God who sees me. The God who sees me. Friends, it is a wonder-filled moment when we discover that we are known and loved by our Creator as His beloved children. Amen? I was talking with my neighbors recently outside, and, uh, and she was holding their newborn baby. Wow. Now, he is, uh, we were talking about how he has totally disrupted their lives and their sleep. And yet... They love him, love him so deeply with a sacrificial love that they, they wondered, they would have thought before, is that even possible? And it just comes out of them. And God is giving them a window and experience of the wonder of his love as a divine, our divine parent. Now, there are several other things uh, that captured my attention in Mary's response one was that like Zechariah, she was greatly troubled. Uh, the word in Greek gives a sense of awestruck, overwhelmed by the angel's angelic messenger and message. Uh, as Walter Wangerin notes, this too must be a part of our Christmas anticipations, for fear has been much forgotten, both by the world and by Christians in general. We rush toward angels unafraid. It is not as if the greatness of God has diminished, but our arrogance and ignorance of the living God has caused widespread fearlessness in our age. As a Tish Warren notes in one of her recent books, we live in a culture where it's easy to assume that we know better than God and judge him and his actions according to our preferences and little t truth. We wait for God to convince us that he's a useful accessory in our project of self-creation. The characters in the original Christmas story were awestruck by God, not because they understood him less, but because they understood him more. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the Bible says, not the absence of wisdom. One final item I want to us to notice in Mary's response is her wonder at being called to serve God. 
the content of the opening greeting implied that like the great men of the Old Testament times, like Moses and Jeremiah and the prophets, she was being chosen and equipped for a God-sized assignment. It was a fulfillment of, of the vision, the prophecy that Joel said, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all people, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I wondered, could it be that motherhood is every bit as much a sacred ministry and God-given ministry as that of a prophet? And could it be that every God-given assignment, whatever size or scope, requires God's presence and power to carry it out? Well, given the details of the assignment that are stated in verses 30 to 33, the obvious answer to both questions, as I saw some of you nodding, is yes. Yes. For the special God work that Mary was given was to be with, to be with child and give birth to a son. A son whose name was actually relatively common in Jewish circles. In Hebrew, it's Joshua, of which we're familiar with in the Old Testament, means the Lord saves. And yet he would be uncommonly great and will be called also the Son of the Most High. Most High was one of the many substitutes that the Jewish people used in that day to refer to God, since God's name was so sacred. And to be the Son of the Most High, well, that was an exalted title, reserved usually for the king. Psalm 2, for example, today you have become my son. That is my son by adoption. It's a messianic psalm talking about the enthronement ceremony of Israel's king. But Gabriel, Gabriel said even more here. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, the dynasty. That means he is the promised Messiah. Messiah in Hebrew means anointed one. When the king or high priest was anointed, they would take like large amounts of oil until you were drenched. You were anointed and the fragrance of that would be on you. He is to be the anointed one. He's the great and long-awaited hero in God's story who will save the nation and ultimately the world. And unlike in every other kingdom that has come before, the angel says his kingdom will never end. Now, lots have claimed to think my kingdom is eternal, but this one will never end. What the angel was doing was hearkening back to a story in Daniel chapter 7. Daniel sees a vision there of these, of these empires that claim to be eternal, but they are each overtaken by another empire until all of these beastly empires are replaced by one like the Son of Man who comes out of heaven and is given all dominion and authority and power and an everlasting kingdom. And I think what the angel is saying, that's what this child is going to be. Now, I doubt that Mary could even grasp the wonder-filled plans that God had for her son, because what she does is focus her attention on the matter of how. Now, every God-given assignment has an obstacle in the way. This obstacle here seems huge. For she tells the angel in verse 34, How will this be, since 
I have had no intimate relationship with a man. Mary is not naive. She knew then, as we know now, the virgins do not conceive and bear sons. So many people through the ages have have worked either on trying to save the historical credibility of this story with various explanations, or they have worked on dismissing it for its incredibility, that is, its impossibility. I understand the reason for both approaches. But the angel's response was not intended to satisfy Mary's or our biological curiosity. Rather, the angel's response underlines how the initiative and purpose lie fully and completely with God. Jesus' conception will be a miracle, as will be many of the things that Jesus does when he grows up. And to the skeptic, none of them seem plausible. And yet to anyone who has seen or experienced a miracle, none of them seem inherently implausible. Which I think is why the tangible evidence that the angel gave Mary was sufficient for her how question. To underline his concluding point that nothing is impossible with God, the angel shows, tells Mary of one of God's most recent miraculous works. Your old Aunt Elizabeth, who everybody said, ain't gonna happen, you know, She's already pregnant six months along. You know, I remember a, a small experience in life. I used to read the story of Jesus in the storm in the Gospels, and he was asleep in the boat in the mother of all storms. And I thought, just in the back of my mind, you know, I thought, I don't know, that seems kind of highly unlikely. And then years ago, we were on a cross-Canada trip and we spent a night in a tent in the mother of all storms. Oh my, and every flash of thunder and everything was shaking around us and our daughter would scream out. <laughs> and I, even I was wondering as a guy who grew up in the prairies, I think, am I going to survive this? You know, I thought, should we go into the, in the van? And I thought, we might get struck by lightning on the way. It was so close and just parked over us. And then early, we finally got to sleep. It finally stopped. We got maybe a couple hours sleep, and then early in the morning at sunrise, our son Nathan pops up. When are we going? It's like we were all exhausted. He had slept through the whole thing. All the screams and everything, he'd slept through it all. And suddenly, I read that story in the Gospels differently. It's like, oh yeah, that's totally possible. And I think in our life, you know, miracles, once we've experienced something miraculous in our life, it's like, they've, it's got God's fingerprints on it. It is no longer implausible. It's, it's possible. Well, Mary's question was not, I think, like Zechariah's asked out of unbelief. Rather, I think she's like Moses standing at the Red Sea, waiting expectantly for God to point out the way where there currently seems to be no way. And when we have this attitude, we begin to treat obstacles that would otherwise immobilize and discourage us as opportunities to see God do his best work. We move from wondering if God can do it to I wonder how God will work it out. 
totally different. Mary's question, how can this be, is still very much our own. Whether we think of Jesus' birth or a seemingly impossible obstacle that we are facing in our own lives. What moved the uh, God plan into the next phase of becoming God reality was Mary's faith. Her faithful and obedient response. When God broke into Mary's life in a blaze of glory that struck her with awe and wonder, she did not resist his call. She said, yes. When asked to take on an assignment that carried with it the risk of public humiliation, Mary did not refuse God's call. She said, yes. When asked to believe God for the impossible, Mary, in an act of complete obedience and faith, set a model for all other current and future disciples when she said yes to God's will and God's way. Friends, have you heard God's call? Oh, it probably didn't and won't come through an angel like it did for Mary. Most of the time, God calls us to follow or serve Him. When He does that, it's often a, a gentle but perceptible nudge. Sometimes a God-planted idea that takes root and begins to grow and grip us. On the surface, it may not seem very glamorous or important. And yet, it is an important piece in God's plan to implement His will for establishing his kingdom in some way on earth. The assignment may come as a great inconvenience to you. If you embrace it, it may change the entire course of your life. It may cause great upheaval in your life. Embracing it may even subject you to public disgrace like it did for Mary. But the wonder of God's love for her and the world was so great that she was willing to let it work in her and through her and for the world, for, the, for God's glory, whatever the cost would be. How will you respond? A young teenager by the name of Mary stands before us with this challenge because when all is said and done, Mary left her mark on the world and eternity because Mary said, yes. One closing story, I don't know if you saw it on Facebook this week, uh, Rebecca Quek posted uh, one of these seed ideas that God put in her heart. She said, hi ERBF family, I wanted to share with you something my family and I are doing for Christmas this year. We've been really focused on giving Christmas away this year and have asked God to show us ways we can love our neighbors and community at large, and he has been faithful. It started with the homeless. I see every time I go to my physio appointments. Rebecca has been recovering from, uh, from her cancer treatments. And she said, I decided to knit hats and scarves for them and give them out every time I go there. Offering them a scarf gives me an inroad to chat with them and to show them the love of Christ. And after I started doing this, my friend who works at a low-income school in Burnaby shared that the children had no socks, gloves, or hats to keep them warm during recess. In fact, she, she said, 
You know, all the kids are excited about the snow, and these kids were so cold. They were just dreading it. So so this was another opportunity to show God's love and care. Finally, this week, I witnessed a long line in the food bank with people having to wait outside in the cold. And I took my bag of scarves, hats, and mittens and went to talk to them and offered items to any who wanted them and gave away a whole shopping bag full of items again. And they keep going to the store. They were saying, they went to a, a thrift store and, uh, and why, are you, like, why are you getting so many jackets? They were getting jackets for, for this class of kids. And then she explained to them, she said, oh, wow, this is, they're all two for one today. <laughs> she said, some other people in the lineup say, uh, put those, co- those coats, I'm buying those, and then give them to her. Things like that. She said, the need is, need is greater clearly than our knitting needles can supply, and we've purchased items to give away to. She said, would you like to join us in, in this endeavor? And she, and she goes on. You can read the rest of that on, on our Facebook page or on the, on the website. It was a seed of an idea. She began to step out in faith, and it's just been snowballing. And she said, this is the best Advent season ever. And to hear her and her, her son Josh talk with the excitement, she said he was the one when told about the teacher. He said, Mom, we've got to go shopping. We've got to go shopping, yes, to God's will to God's way, to the nudge and call that God is putting upon our lives. I want to invite the, the worship team up, and as they're coming, let's pray. Lord, we get a glimpse in this Advent season that your plans, they are always so much bigger than ours, And yet, they ask us to do our part in the big drama of what you are doing. And it may seem sometimes impossible or insignificant. And yet, Lord, because it is a part of your plan and what you are doing and want done in the world, it is never impossible and it is never insignificant. Lord, I pray that you would tune our hearts to to hear you and to respond like Mary did with a wholehearted yes. Amen. That was a wonder-filled moment, wasn't it? Singing together there. I want to encourage you to keep your eyes and ears open for wonder-filled moments in the week. Maybe, uh, maybe it will be encouraging someone who has done something wonder-filled and can be very ordinary, but it's been meaningful to you. Or that God may have you be doing something. If you would like prayer, uh, I encourage you. We always have someone from our prayer team available, except I think he's not here today. So uh, I guess I'll be covering down there this morning. And... Uh, I know that uh, Penny and her son were here making coffee, so there's lots of coffee and there's some cookies, so uh, enjoy that, get warmed up, and uh, let us go and to serve the Lord in all of the ways and opportunities that he gives to us. Amen. Amen.